You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. Tuesday, July the 4th. Happy 4th of July to all our listeners, particularly those in the United States. Not a particularly happy 4th of July uh, today for Bob Baffert, who has had his suspension extended by Churchill Downs through the end of 2024. It was an extraordinary statement uh, put out last night by the home of the Kentucky Derby, which would again preclude Baffert from having runners in America's most famous horse race next year. And we'll be discussing that in the company of veteran US journalist Jay Pribman later in the show. If you want to hear a love letter to the sport, then stay tuned for Philip Stauffenberg, who with his wife Marion bred the winner of this year's German derby. That's coming up with our friends at Weatherby's later in the show. Closer to home, in a moment, Kia Jurabchen from Ammo Racing. He fancies another crack at Auguste Rodin, his derby conqueror with King of Steel, who has subsequently won at Royal Ascot. The plan is to go Grand Prix de Paris, but you can hear in Jurabchen's voice, and you'll hear it in a moment, he fancies the King George. First, though, Andrew Balding in his Sun column last Friday revealed that he he wanted to go to Deauville this weekend for the Group 1 Prix Jean Prat with the 2000 Guineas winner Caldian perhaps en route to the Sussex Stakes at Goodwood. This does look a good opportunity. However, Frankie de Tori is banned and there is every likelihood that Aidan O'Brien will have runners in the race. Little Big Bear is still engaged in there. So is the Antarctic. So is Karachi. So is Meditate. So where are Judmont and Andrew Balding going to turn? Well, the answer is fairly obvious, but I've had it confirmed by Judmont's Barry Marn, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, if, if everything is going okay with the horse and Andrew's happy with him tomorrow morning, um, uh, the plan will be hopefully to run in, in uh, Deauville. And uh, as far as I'm aware, Oshie Murphy will take the ride. And that presumably is a is a situation everybody at Judmont is is satisfied with because I know you have agreements with Ryan Moore as well, but Aidan O'Brien looks like he's going to have a, at least a runner or two. Yeah, exactly. Look, Oshin is a top class jockey, and he's part of Andrew's stable, and we'd be delighted to have him on board. And how's the horse doing? Good. He came out of Ascot in great form. You know, he's only had two runs this year, so he's relatively fresh and. Uh, he's in good shape, and as I say, if, if he works okay tomorrow morning and everything looks fine, the plan is we'll be on target for Sunday. Just wondered, I thought that that sort of straight, unrelenting seven might be might be right up his street. Yeah, Frankie's first words when he got off in Asco was, "By God, this guy's got lots of speed." So uh, you know, I think we're, we're happy enough that the seven should be fine. Um, you know, I think he showed it in Ascot. You know, he jumped from the gate and he was quick into his stride, and they went a pretty hard pace the whole way. So um, you know, I don't think I don't think we're too worried about dropping back to seven. And, you know, there was some conversations even whether we went back to the July Cup. But I think this is a, a happy medium, and it's a nice race, and it fits well with our program. And then and then slide into Goodwood, perhaps. That's that'll be that'd look the obvious route if he comes out of it okay and everything goes to plan. That'd look the obvious route. Barry Marn there from Judmont. David Yates is from the Daily Mirror. David, before we move on to other matters today, let's uh, just consider this for a second. A big ride for Asheen Murphy, no great surprise. And also, nice nice opportunity back down at seven uh, for the Jean Praff for, for Caldean. 
it's another one that Frankie's going to miss as a result of his suspension. As you say, this opens the door for Sheen Murphy, doesn't it? Um, what a comeback he's had in 2023. Uh, classic victory, obviously um, back on the uh, Group 1 stage at, at Royal Ascot as well. How, how seamlessly he's fitted back it's 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 a one of the um one of the sort of warming stories of 2023 i think he seems to have come back uh not overstating it perhaps a, a changed man and uh is going extremely well and there could be another group one uh coming his way on sunday i was looking just i was trying to get in my own head just what had happened to the distance of the pre-jean i think it had gone from 1800 meters to 16 and now of course 14 um Seven furlongs. It's an interesting one. Um, he was no match for Paddington in uh, the St. James's Palace Stakes at Royal Ascot. How much gloss came off Chaldean's reputation as a result of that defeated Ascot? Well, I'd say probably not too much. But then again, I think that it's it's very much uh, the case that 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 Paddington is an exceptional cult. And as I've said before on the Nick Light Daily, I like the fact that uh, that those closest to Paddington don't seem to know how good he is, or, although I suspect they're getting a pretty good idea of it now. And the fact that you were light on Paddington there drives us towards this weekend's Coral Eclipse. Aidan O'Brien on this show yesterday suggesting that would be the target for him. He'd take on the very, very brilliant filly, Emily Upjohn, who I thought was outstanding in the Coronation Cup at Epsom. Um, Dave, do you think he can beat her? Uh, yes, I certainly think he can. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, what's the betting? Thirteen to eight, each of two. Um, I, I think that it's going to be a, a, a really fascinating clash. That I, I must admit, Nick, I, I I wouldn't want to nominate which one of them at the moment in case I change my mind. But I think I'd probably be with one of the two market leaders. But yeah, absolutely. I think this. That I I think that what has characterised Paddington's three-year-old career thus far is that there just seems to be. Um, a, a considerable upside, whatever he does. And and again, at Ascot, you know, he brushed aside a Guinea's win. And what did he win? He won by just under four lengths, three and three quarter lengths officially. Um, and I thought still did that in, in the manner of a horse who had an awful uh, lot still to come. Aidan O'Brien said on uh, your show yesterday that in terms of the horse's pedigree, that 10 furlongs would be no problem at all and and I think it's hard to argue with that. Well if Emily Upjohn were to win the Eclipse then perhaps she would roll on to the King George in which admittedly she was disappointing last year but she's won at Ascot subsequent to that and as I said she looked very good at Epsom the other day. We think maybe then she would face August Rodan. That's a possibility according to Aidan O'Brien. Though on the pod yesterday I felt that he was maybe leaning towards a break and then some of the, the 10 furlong targets later in the summer. That will be revealed next week. Um, I wonder the extent to which uh, King of Steel's connections, King of Steel, the Derby runner-up and the winner of the Edward VII at Ascot, are tempted now by a bash at the King George. He has, up to this point, been pointing towards the Grand Prix de Paris, which takes place on Bastille Day at Longchamp. I've been speaking to his owner, Kia Jarabshan, and this is what he had to say about how he's thinking now in light of what he's seen over the last few days. Oh, hi, Nick. Um, thanks. I spoke with uh, Roger this yesterday, and um, he's very happy with the, with him. He says he's in a very, very good shape, very good form, and he feels that um, there is we're still on target for the Grand Prix. Um, but 
obviously, if Augustine goes to um, the King George, then it makes it a very tempting possible diversion to go and take them on again. And, um, you know, it's Ascot, which is a which is a track that I is very dear to me and um, I love having races there. So, you know, it definitely has a huge advantage and it's at home, you know, it's on the home soil. So I think there's a lot of things to think about. And it sounds as though that you are, you are encouraged by the fact that you want a rematch with the, with the Derby winner, that the sportsman in you wants the rematch. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm all about sports and, and uh, there's nothing like, you know, having exciting moments in sports, right? Um, you always want to see the best versus the best. And I think, you know, I'd love to have a rematch with him. Yeah, yeah why not? And, and has, he, has he come out of Royal Ascot well? Because it, it was a race that wasn't really run to suit him, yet he still, still had to go, up, go, and, go and win it. Yeah, I mean, at Royal Ascot, they were going a very, very slow pace. Um, you know, a couple of the jockeys told me we were crawling around that. Uh, we were so slow. And um, that definitely, you know, he showed his talent and his, and his um, capabilities by being able to cruise through, you know, and, and show his turn of foot and show that he has that incredible talent. So... It didn't suit him fully, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's definitely a horse with a huge talent. And, and if, there, if there's a race further down the track this, this year that you've, you've really got your eye on, what would it be? Obviously, at some point, he's going to have to have a, have a bit of a break, I would have thought. But is there, a, is there a race that you think would really suit him in the autumn? Well, it's his third race of the year. going to the Grand Prix would be his third race of the year, sorry. So he would have only run um, the Derby and Ascot, so the Grand Prix, so that would be three. I think then we have to have a final target, whether it's the Breeders' Cup or the Arc. And I think then we'll aim between those two and work backwards and probably find, you know, one more run for him. I'd love to see him run over 10. Um, I think, you know, over a mile two, he'd be even, you know, he's even better. Well, he's certainly got plenty of speed in his pedigree to suggest that, that that wouldn't be a problem. Talking of speed, you've got a lot of very fast two-year-olds, winner at, at Royal Ascot and winner at, uh, at the Curra the other day, both trained by, by Adrian Murray in, in Ireland. Uh, Buccaneer Fuerte was, was very, very game indeed. How do you see the rest of his season panning out? Um, yeah, yeah, another very lightly raced horse this year. You know, we ran him early in March. Um, I did think it was quite early when they ran him, to be fair. Um, but they were very confident about him. And then he ran Royal Ascot, and then he ran, obviously, the railway. And, you know, we always knew his ability. We think in Royal Ascot, it was probably just that one race too little before he got there. Um, the likes of River Tybor had obviously ran a few times more than him and I think you know he's run three times now we'll aim for group one next um, and if that is between you know the pre-morning or the 
um, Vincent O'Brien or uh, the national states will we'll aim towards that kind of level race. We think he's even going to be better over seven and then eventually get a mile. He's got a lot of speed and I'd be very, very excited to take on Unquestionable and River Tiber again. All right, that's Keir Drabchin. Right, David Yates. Sounds like he's up for the King George, doesn't it? Uh, with King of Steel. Do you do you go that way and roll the bigger dice or do you play the safety shot and go to the Grand Prix de Paris, which might come up a bit thin this year. Ernesto Vidani still waiting to to come back, the the leading older horses in France. I guess you could get Sim Camille in there who ran a very good race in it last year. Um, but it it's not loaded with, with talent. Yeah, possibly. I mean, to what extent is this informed, do you think, by the performance? The the I think workmanlike is the the adjective that many people used. The workmanlike performance of Auguste Rodin in the Irish Derby at the Curra last Sunday. I think most people were expecting uh, the Epsom winner to uh, to double up in more convincing fashion than he did. And you know, you could even the the point was made. Um, you, you referenced it yesterday that um, Adelaide River didn't exactly get. Um, the the kitchen sink thrown at him, albeit it, it was almost certainly would have been in a, a lost cause uh, in County Kildare at in County Kildare at the weekend. To what extent has that informed Keir Jurabchan's thinking that well, half a length separated us at Epsom. We were the horse who uh, had been denied the um, a reappearance because of the the incident in the stalls. Uh, for the Dante at York, August Rodan did have uh, a run under his belt, albeit that he hadn't distinguished himself in the 2000 guineas. Um, there was half a length between them um, at Epsom. Kevin Stott, uh, ever self-critical, said he perhaps wished he'd d- delayed things a bit sooner. Um, after Epsom, King of Steel has come out and, and won the Ascot Derby, the King Edward VII stakes in really convincing fashion um so perhaps a rematch at ascot where we know king of steel operates really well um by dint of his victory at the royal meeting um how is that now probably a a more attractive proposition for the owners of the runner-up i i certainly think that um having watched august rodin at the cara would he be is he a very good cult. Of course, he is. He's a dual derby winner, uh, as well as being winner of the uh, the Verton Futurity uh, Trophy at two. Is he um, a horse from whom you would run scared if you thought that you had uh, a, a very likely mile and a half group one three-year-old cult in your ownership? I'd say probably not. Well, I'd say definitely not, actually. Now, those of you who've been following the long, long-running battle between trainer Bob Baffert and Churchill Downs Incorporated will be interested to know that this has taken another turn within the last 24 hours. You might have been expecting, Baffert having served his two-year suspension from Churchill Downs, that he would be back with runners in the Kentucky Derby next year. Not so, according to the latest press release uh, from the Twin Spires. Uh, Jay Pridman um, renowned racing journalist, many years with the Daily Racing Form and uh, broadcasters across the United States, joins me now. Uh, Jay, what's happened? What have Churchill Downs done? Well, they've uh, announced, Nick, that uh, Bob Baffert is now uh, suspended 
from Churchill Downs properties through the end of the calendar year 2024, which basically adds another year of him being out of the Kentucky Derby and this coming on the heels of, as you know, the two-year suspension that he got in the aftermath of Medina Spirit testing positive and being disqualified from the 2021 Kentucky Derby. So they've basically now added extra time to his uh, suspension after the two years have been served. What reason have they given for doing this? Uh, The stated reason in the press release was that he has continued to not take responsibility. This is a paraphrase, basically, of the press release. This aren't the exact words, but but to paraphrase what it was, it was basically that he has yet to take responsibility for his actions, and because of that, Churchill believes that he is a continuing threat to uh, the racing uh, and integrity of Churchill Downs' own properties, and because of that, they're extending his uh, banishment. So they're not suggesting that he has has done anything wrong in terms of any further medication violations, but simply that because he is engaged in um, a judicial process with Churchill Downs and that he has uh, has not simply said, I take full responsibility, I agree with your line on this, that he is therefore they are therefore continuing to suspend. I think what the I think the the, the words they used was that he was peddling a false narrative. Uh, that that is uh, what was in the press release. Uh, you know that's Bob is of the belief that he did not do anything wrong regarding uh, the medication that the horse was being uh, given a topical ointment for a skin rash that he was not injected, uh, and you know the Kentucky Racing Commission and Churchill Downs have both taken the position that it doesn't matter the route of administration that it it shouldn't have been there uh and that was the reason for the disqualification and that was the reason for the two-year ban this seems to me nick to almost have become a a personal situation as opposed to a business situation there's obviously bad blood that has continued between Churchill Downs and Bob Baffert and Churchill Downs believes it is within their rights as a as a as a private business to be able to behave in this way and so they have decided to extend his banishment um obviously you know the goalposts have been moved here and you know based on what they've done in the last 24 hours I mean there's nothing to stop them from coming up with another reason to continue this when this current thing uh, comes to a close, unless Baffert can somehow get some sort of relief through the court system. Given the fact that there is now a, a body that is is supposed to adjudicate on, on medication violations and hand out suspensions in, in, in Heiser's offshoot, Hai Wu, um, do you find it strange that, that race tracks can still act with impunity in in this way? I think that's a fair question to ask. I think this is an unusual case because, as I just alluded a a few moments ago, Nick, I really think this has become a personal matter between the executives at Churchill Downs and Bob Baffert. And they're basically going to try and exact their pound or more uh, of flesh out of Baffert if they can. Uh, and that's where this is. Your overall 
point that you're making there, I think, is a correct one. Supposedly, by having HISA and HIWU, it is being done to take the tracks out of having to uh, adjudicate things, or, or more importantly, to have each state racing commission adjudicate things. In, in this specific case, I think what Churchill will argue is that they're acting from as, as a business, and this is irrespective of any ruling that would come down from either the state in previous times or now under HISA or HIWU. Recently, Churchill Downs has, has been in the wires. We know that multiple fatalities at the at the Derby meet at the at this at this spring meet. They've had to move the the back end of it to uh, to Ellis Park, uh, running some you know, high grade stakes races at at, at Ellis. Uh, we saw the case. We covered the case uh, in Derby Week of Safi Joseph, who was banned from Churchill Downs. He's now been allowed back on Churchill Downs properties because the the necropsies, the post mortems on his two horses, have failed to show anything anything conclusive but not before his business was uh, not wrecked but severely compromised and he lost some of his his best horses um do you think there is a feeling amongst professionals in in the united states that that far from um medication being brought under control or, or being uh, being harmonized that actually we're, we're just entering a a period of increased uncertainty as to as to how these things are going to be regulated I think that's a very fair point. Um, you know, we're in the early stages of HISA and IWU overseeing things, and already we have, for lack of a better word, word you know, some rogue ways of, of dealing with things and not going through those channels. Um, you know, that's the way Churchill has decided to behave here. Uh, you know, Safi Joseph, as you pointed out, uh, had to scratch his intended runner from the Kentucky Derby, in addition to other intended runners he had that week at Churchill Downs. Uh, nothing has been found in the necropsies, so he's now good to go. You know, Bob Baffert has had, he hasn't even raced at Churchill Downs properties in the last two years. So obviously he hasn't had any violations there, nor has he had any violations anywhere else. And yet now they're basically moving the goalposts and saying you're, you're out for another year from the Kentucky Derby. Let me ask you one final question, Jay. You and I have both uh, addressed this at various different times in the last couple of years. Um, Baffert hasn't just been been tried by by Churchill Downs, nor indeed just by the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, but by uh, a very vocal court of public opinion. And there hasn't been a lot of middle ground. People have either been um, with their fingers in their ears shouting, la, 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 he's, he's been terribly badly mistreated, or uh, in similar fashion saying get rid of him he's terrible he's awful it's it's the classic waldorf and statler approach to 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 analyzing a situation which is is very complex but i'll ask you this to what extent will this latest statement from churchill downs swing the pendulum of public opinion in bob baffert's favor i think there are some people who no matter what are anti-Baffert and are probably cheering this even if they don't even if they in their heart know it's not really a fair thing to be done uh, I do think to your point though that there will be some people who might start to now realize that this has become more of a personal matter as opposed to a business matter I mean as, as you know Nick just just to put a comparative analysis to this situation at this year's Kentucky Derby, the favorite for the race had to be scratched by the Kentucky Racing Commission vet the morning of. Uh, and that's a horse that we subsequently found out 
had a medication violation for which the trainer to this point has said was probably contamination as opposed to something that they're responsible for. But I've yet to see any thing from Churchill Downs saying that in light of that and other recent medication violations related to Todd Pletcher, that Todd Pletcher's not running in next year's Derby. And I'm not suggesting that Todd Pletcher should be barred from next year's Derby. I'm merely pointing out the inconsistency with which justice, or if you want to use that word, is being meted out here. Jay, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Nick, as always. Okay, well, it's Tuesday, which means we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherbees. We make fairly regular trips to, to Germany during this segment of the show, and we always glean something rich and interesting because it's a, a country that really understands uh, how to how to breed the thoroughbred and what, what it's breeding the thoroughbred for. And, and that was never more so the case than in the Deutsches Derby, the German Derby that took place at the weekend and was won by Fantastic Moon and won quite impressively by this exciting horse by See the Moon, who you remember won that German Derby so impressively all those years ago by 11 lengths. And you might remember, if you are a regular listener to this slot, that I spoke to Heike Biskoff about See the Moon and, and what that horse meant to her. And it was a, a huge, a, a hugely um, strong connection between, between horse and uh, and human. I, I'm joined today by uh, Philip Stauffenberg, who you will know very well from his um, exploits in the bloodstock world, but who, with his wife Marion Breden, consigned um, Fantastic Moon. Uh, Philip, first of all, for you, f- for your association with the race, for your long history as a breeder, just try and tell me what what the weekend meant to to you and your family. Uh, it's um, yeah for us it's really unbelievable because um, not only that we bred the Derby winner but that this Derby winner is really tracing back um, very much to um, the beginning of um, um, the liaison with Marion myself because um, Marion um, owned the dam, uh, the third dam of Fantastic Moon um, at the time when she was looking for a place to board. Um, and um, that's um, how we met because I was I was the manager at that time um, of Karlshof, Bestuf Karlshof. And um, so, um, yeah, she decided that she wants to uh, board there. And um, that's, um, that's how we met and how everything started uh, between us. And our breeding then obviously was following. And um, and so um, it's it's incredible emotional for us that um, that our yeah signature family has produced now yeah the I think the pinnacle of what we can achieve as breeders uh, breeding breeding the German Derby winner and then if you if you think on the other side um, the sire see the moon. Um, I bought as one of the foundation mares his second dam Sakarina. Um, for Karlshof, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm just um, connected with both sides, and that's um, yeah. Um, you, it's it's just fantastic. It's it's incredible, and we had we didn't attend the German Derby because we have you know the the Stauffen family meets once a year um, at the uh, different places where where the family lives, and so I had the whole Stauffenberg family. Um, on um, on our start farm for that weekend. So 
Yeah, it was it was incredible, and the the uh, the win of Fantastic Moon was really the yeah the icing on the cake. Yeah, it was yeah very 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 emotional. Yeah, um, a true love story. It sounds from beginning to end. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds. It sounds funny because I I think I'm seen more in the commercial world um, at home than in 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 that world of the breeding side. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 the the child of Marin and myself that we are breeding these horses. Uh, okay, we have a small Brutner band. Um, depending how you look at it of you know re- regularly normally around 10 mares where we are breeding from and um and the bloodstock the Stauffenberg bloodstock um is is, a, is my commercial uh, company um where we yeah um consign and you know um um yeah the the, the pinhooking side which um has become bigger and um developed quite nicely mm. and um, so i'm advising people it's, it's 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 a business side on one side and then the breeding side is our private thing what man and i to do um together and um yeah um but it is it this fantastic moon this is really it's a love story uh, uh- sorry losing my voice again yeah uh, listen i can understand why why it means so much to you uh and i i we spoke last year after uh, book one at tats when you'd taken five yearlings and they went down an absolute storm and you made nearly two and a half million guineas or or you realized nearly two and a half million guineas and you spoke you know you spoke very nicely but there is no doubt which of these things has had more of an impact on you as uh, something where you you've yeah, earned loads of money and something which is not about money necessarily, but is about is about real passion and and, and a passion for the thoroughbred over 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 generations. Uh, in, in terms of what the German Derby as a race still means, just just give me a give me a flavour of of why you believe this race still has a, a great importance to the international uh, development of the thoroughbred. Yeah, um, I think we all know that um, in most countries now the the focus is really on um, on early two year olds on speed, and um, and a lot of the um, uh, breeding is losing losing really on the impact um, a derby has, whether it's um, an English derby or Irish derby or German derby, but um, in Germany overall. Uh, we are more focused on the on the stamina side, and um, and the uh, <coughs> the most important race everybody wants to win is the Derby. Whether it's as an owner, as a trainer, or obviously um, as a breeder, um, that's the yeah, that's the what you call it, the pinnacle of what you can achieve. Um, I think I think it's it's just the the. Um, Everybody here in Germany wants to breed or own a derby winner. So there's just an, a different focus on that. And if you look into the success story of the very small German uh, breeding population, um, the, the, the most impact comes um, in the, on, the, on the worldwide uh, base through um, our stamina uh, proven uh, female lines. Yeah. And, um, like 
one of the best stallions we ever had, or the, the, not one, he's, he's the best stallion of of the <coughs> uh, closer history. Galileo is tracing back to the same um, German stamina orientated um, female line, yeah. And so the, the, the German derby is, yeah, <coughs> not because we won it, but it is just the dream of every breeder to win it. Um, Philip, I, I wanted to, to ask you a little bit about your, your family gathering, because if you were hosting the, the von Stauffenberg family over the weekend, what, what their reaction was to, to your success? It's a, this is a, a very illustrious family as well. Um, yeah, um, you know, we were, we, were, we were laughing and chatting about that because, you know, when, when it became, <clears throat> when it became uh, known to them that I am not going to be a lawyer or a banker or whatever in the, or in the industry, um, whatever industry, if, that I told them I want to be um, involved with the horses and doing something with the horses, it's everybody was laughing. And um, they thought, okay, um, you know, this is a useless guy. He will not make up his name and he will not make up his living. And um, so um, they haven't been here. You know, we are here since 1999. And it was the first time that the whole, or not the whole, but a, a big part of the family was here. And we could show them what we have done and what we have developed here and um so you could see in the faces and the comments that uh, you know uh, the family recognized that there was somebody with passion and drive and um, doing something completely different and that they were laughing about that at the beginning but that there was um, a good story and a good yeah uh, development over all these years and then um having having then on on the sunday the german derby winner they suddenly realized, okay, this guy is not the most stupid um, member of the family. He has done something um, completely different, and um, but he has achieved something with that. Yeah, and so it was. It was really, yeah, just wonderful um, to have that all together. Yeah, even you know, not being there at the derby, missing the derby, there live to to be there. Uh, because obviously I couldn't, I couldn't leave my family alone and, and drive to the Derby to Hamburg because it's too far away from here. Um, so having having the whole family here and having that result was, yeah, it's unbelievable. Philip Stauffenberg there. If ever there was an example of how racehorses can really touch your life. My thanks to Philip. My thanks also to Liz Price, who's been our correspondent in South Africa the last few days, visiting the Durban July, which took place a Saturday, and she was able to catch up with Christophe Soumion, who has got quite a deep association and affinity with South Africa, thanks to his time riding with, with Mike de Kock. And he's also got quite a lot to look forward to for the remainder of the season in Europe. Uh, over to you, Liz. I'm now with Christophe Soumillon, who came down to Durban to ride for the first time in the Hollywood Bets Durban July. It was a very eventful meeting because uh, Christophe was supposed to ride in nine races, and uh, he came to rise. He came to his ninth ride, and then there was a load share, which means that there was no electricity, so racing was abandoned. But Christophe, I think 
you rode in all these races today. Your best result was, I think, second, coming second with um, Desert Miracle in the Group 1. What is your impression about racing here? I think uh, I get four second places today, if I don't say a mistake. But uh, yeah, I know I've had a lot of good rides. Unfortunately, my last ride on the day was probably my best chance to win a race. But uh, that's racing. Uh, it happens. Uh, there is some... Uh, problem with electricity here in South Africa. Uh, unfortunately, it happens today and it's such a great day. But I now don't want to stay on a negative uh, thing. Um, for me, it was a great day to ride. Um, I think they have great jockeys. Um, racing here is really tactical, especially uh, starting many times in turns. Um, that's uh, show you how good, how fit and um, how, how well tactically you need to be uh, to get on the top of the, 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 the market here. Um, but uh, I learned a lot of things today, so it's really important still at my age. Uh, it was my first time here, I feel that atmos the atmosphere was completely crazy. Uh, something we would love to see in Europe, uh, but it's a different place for sure. But um, yeah, um, I just hope uh, my venue here was uh, great for everybody. Uh, I always come and wish to win races, but uh, unfortunately today it didn't work out. But uh, we came close a few times, and uh, I was really happy uh, to see all my friends back here. Uh, I have a lot of uh, great memories in the past with uh, Mike DeCock, Stephen Jail, and Bernard Federb, and so many people. And uh, they're still uh, looking after me now, and um, we are very close friends. And you uh, always want to, to do great stuff and winning races for the one you love the most but uh, you have to realize there is also sometimes better horses uh, uh, bad draws and the race never runs the way you want but uh, the most important is that uh, it gives me the the, um, the feeling that I need to come back here and try to, to win uh, big classics um, there is three or four big races here in South Africa and uh, at the moment I won a group one but for sure if you have the chance to come back and win a a major one, I will be uh, very happy. Yes, I think your relationship with Michael Cock is very special, very strong. You've enjoyed a lot of success together. He was very complimentary towards you and very happy to have you on board here at Durban. Just very quickly, can you tell people at home what makes this track so special? Because the straight is very narrow. Yeah, the track is not that difficult um, to ride. The thing is, there is uh, two long bends, so uh, it's not easy to turn wide. Um, and the track uh, finally today showed that you can win from everywhere, from the inside to the middle and the outside. But uh, yeah, it's quite easy to slow down the pace when you're in the front here. So tactically, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, important to jump out the gates quite good because like racing in France or in Australia, I jump fast and after a few hundred meters, the, the pace slow down. So you need to be tactically uh, at the right position to, uh, to quicken. And um, there is also uh, a difference between uh, Europe and other places here. Uh, there is an open stretch. Um, so that helps uh, the jockeys to, to have a fair, a fair run. And just very quickly before we let you go, because I know that you are eager to find uh, Mike DeCock and uh, his uh, connections. Tell me what can uh, people look forward to in Europe when you go back, uh, you fly back tomorrow. What are the next big uh, rides um, for you? I have uh, a few big rides coming, uh, probably in the Grand Prix Paris, but I just get a suspension and we're appealing it. So we just hope we're going to be able to, to ride. Uh, probably the King George. Uh, in Ascot uh, at the end of the of July, but I'm gonna take a break uh, for a few days, half of July. Um, we'll see, um, but for sure we are focused for Deauville afterwards, 
and hopefully at uh, the end of the season, if uh, Erevan and Vadeni can come back in a great shape, I will uh, be happy to, to, to end the season with them. Um, they didn't run too much, so I think they, they can be uh, fit and, and fresh for the end. And they both love uh, soft ground, so that's a good news. But yeah, I have many good horses in Europe at the moment to ride, so uh, I just let's hope uh, it's going to roll on the right way. And just quickly, your King George ride is? I can't say it right now. Ah, right, okay, mystery. <laughs> Thank you, Christoph. Thanks. Thank you. Christoph Simeon there at Greyville in Durban with Liz Price at the weekend. He'll be back to riding the Grand Prix de Paris. And I'm, I'm wondering what this ride he's been offered is in the King George, going back to where we began this show, uh, Dave. But um, I guess we'll just have to have to remain on tenterhooks. Yeah, interesting that, isn't it? Um, I I've no idea is the, is the honest answer to that. But um sounds like he's got something in the pipeline. Yes. Uh, watch the space. We will try and figure that out between uh, between now and the end of the week. Right. Do you have a tip for me for today? I do. We're going to the 5.02 race at Brighton this afternoon. And number three, Voodoo Ray. Uh, this was a, a dance track, wasn't it? Uh, recorded a few years ago by a guy called Gerald. The equine Voodoo Ray beat Ravi Road here a week ago and I think can do so again despite having to shoulder a penalty here. 502 race at Brighton. Selection is number three, Voodoo Ray. Okay, well, as you know, we are the 24-hour party people, so we will be back to do this all over again tomorrow. For now, on the 4th of July, happy 4th, goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.